before we hop into this week's episode, I wanted to give a trigger warning and remind you to just check the show notes because we may be discussing sensitive topics. Um, If this episode's too heavy for you, we'll catch you next time. But if it's okay and you want to tune in, I look forward to sharing the space with you. Trying to make it right, these people won't let me go. I'm just trying to live my life. I just need space to grow. I'm just trying to make it right, these people won't let me go. Let me grow, let me go. Let me grow, let me go. They should know, they should know. They should know, they should know. I'm just trying to live my life. I just need space to grow. Welcome to the Tea with Brie. I'm your host, Brie. Thanks for listening. The Tea with Brie podcast is focused on deep, honest, and vulnerable conversation. Each week, I sit down with a different guest in order to have those conversations. Every week, we'll start with my guest's bio and intro into how we know each other, and then we'll go into a deep dive conversation about whatever topic they brought to me that week. This week, I am joined by my guest, Renee Slotper. Renee, who uses he, him pronouns, is a gay, transgender, recently ordained pastor. He is currently receiving his master's in divinity from Chicago Theological Seminary. He's a national scholar through his denomination and is a mental health advocate. When Renee isn't working or going to school, you can find him making online content for faith organizations and telling stories through mixed media. He facilitates the trans and non-binary meditation group, sits on the board of Chrysalis Q, an LGBTQ plus organization for families, and has over a thousand hours mentoring transgender youth. Renee's theology often calls him to tell people to love themselves and love each other and to also make good choices and do good things. Hello. Hello. Uh, I am thrilled to talk to you today. I'm thrilled to talk to you. <laughs> I was I am to just to just get started. I am very queer. I grew up very religious. And I would say I was very religious up until 2017 2018 so till I was like 27 28 um which is I moved here in 2016 so I grew up in a church that was very much like my godfather was my pastor growing up um so I was able to like ask a lot of questions and look at different religions and was never mm-hmm. raised like good christian or bad christian it was like you have a relationship with god and then you go to church to have relationships with people who have their own relationships so it was never like I'm better than you, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And so moving to Austin, I started going to a church that I'm not going to name because I don't want any backlash, but I started going to a church that has three, um, I guess like three branches, three chapters, three locations, whatever you want to call it. Little campuses. Um, thank you. It's like, what is that freaking word? Um, yeah. <laughs> three campuses. And so while I was a South Campus girly, um, the North Pastor... And at this church, like very welcoming, very diverse, queer, straight, you know, all the different types of diversity you can think of. And I loved our South pastor, loved our Central pastor, but the North pastor. mm. So come to find out that one day during one Sunday during his sermon in Austin, North pastor was basically saying that he 
doesn't support queer people. He doesn't support gay people. And like, there's people at all the campuses who are queer. There's people at all the campuses who support queer people. And at this time, I had been on the choir and left. I was part of the like welcoming committee, was in like two women's groups, like was just very in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and I left. I was just I was just done. I was just gone. And it was also during the time when 45 was president. So it was already hard being queer mm-hmm. in Texas. Um, and so, yeah, I just it was just such a weird experience and I think heartbreaking experience for me growing up in a place where like everyone was always welcomed at church like Mm -hmm. there was never any judgment there was gay people there was women who had children who weren't married like it was just never this judgmental no one is welcome place and to come and be so involved in a church and then to have a pastor say that was just like where am I safe if I'm not safe in this religious place and so you know i have stopped going to church i only go to church when i'm home in connecticut with my family um and even like i have another uncle who's a pastor who every single sermon i feel like he's preaching against queer people i'm like hi there's a lot of queer people in our family what are you doing Mm -hmm. um but anyway but just just to start the conversation there of like it is so interesting how many queer people i have met who are also either a very religious or grew very religious and don't actually have a problem with religion it's the people who use religion as a weapon mm-hmm. or who are right now trying to have some sort of reckoning because while i still believe in god on a higher power it was just so weird when 45 was president and that issue with the pastor of just feeling like almost like religion wasn't for me and that's still kind of how i feel now and so it's just really hard for me sometimes to think about that and you know, my friends and I, who are very religious, always joke that like Jesus was queer <laughs> and also mm-hmm. brown. So yeah. it's always just like, yeah, it's it, we get to decide what is right for us. So that was my monologue to start. <laughs> I know, I love that. Like every it, the thing is, like it is a monologue and it is a story, right? Yeah. So there are all these different things that happen that led you up to this like turning point, right? And then the turning point happened, and and then you're like, oh, well now now my faith is different right so Mm -hmm. that's that's the change that happens in the story um and so the reflection back on that is like what does that what does that say to you um about what you believe and then like the next question would be like what does that belief then say to you about god right so like just asking those bigger questions right and it's the same kind of questions that you were probably asked growing up, right? That made God seem so big and expansive. And you were like, why you were able to be like, oh, okay, yeah, we love that person. Yeah, add another mm-hmm. chair, like, let's do this, right? So that's that's the God that you grew up with that you knew. And I'm so grateful for that. Um, and then you were met later in life with something that was like, oh, that's different. That changes the flavor. And it's not a flavor I like. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like I'm writing down right now, like the thing my godfather taught us, like me and his four kids, like our whole lives was that God is big enough for your anger, for your questions, for your confusion. And just being like, you can talk to God as a friend. You can talk to him when you're angry. You can talk to him. And so I think it's for me, it's just been interesting now because it's like 
as someone who never has read the full Bible, I just, I can't, it's just not for me. So I'm like, like I'm not the perfect Christian. My God exactly. sister right now, she's reading the whole Bible. I'm like, girl, give me the, the cliffs notes because I can't. Um, but just, you know, thinking about like old Testament versus new Testament, like fire and brimstone God. And, you know, now even to like people making jokes online of like the rapture is coming because everything's a cluster and like having been baptized and having like a genuine faith and, but now, like, even questioning my beliefs because I'm like, there's no way we can be the same people. This week, there's no way we can believe in the same God. Like, how how do I come from this, like, hippy-dippy sort of God loves everyone. <laughs> Jesus is is in everybody. We should, we yeah. should love our neighbors. We, you know, literally mm-hmm. what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. But then we have, you know, people who... And I was like, I'm the most liberal, liberal to ever liberal. So I'm like, and then on the other side, we have people who are conservative, whatever they want to, you know, call themselves of just like, no, like you can't be Christian because of X, Y, and Z. I'm like, but that's not, <laughs> that's not what the Bible says. Like, I'm right. telling you, that this is what I believe in. I'm telling you that. And and I think that's where I've caught in now. I've just like, I lost friends when I was very religious. Like I had friends who were just like, it's dumb to believe in God. I'm like, I'm not causing you any harm by having this belief. You don't have to believe in what I believe in. That's fine. And then like now, like not even knowing kind of where I sit now, because it's like, there's no way the God I'm praying to and the Jesus I'm praying to is the same one you're praying to. So like, I'm I'm always like, am I praying to the right person? So I feel like this is going to be like more therapy and me like talking at you than like a conversation. So please like, no, and- I, I think, so I, I don't think you're wrong. I think that there is, um, right. So there are just like in the regular population of how people think about spirituality, those same things are present within the queer community. Now, one of the things that we, I think can see are like certain narratives, right. Where it's like, there are some people who have been really traumatized who are like, absolutely not, right. not for me. I would never. And I'm like, that is okay. Mm-hmm. You, and I, and I want to make that really clear. Right. Like I would never like say like, Oh, come on to church. And they were right. like, absolutely not. Like they gave me that firm and I'd be like, Oh, got it. Like, I want to respect that boundary. That's absolutely. totally fine and cool. Right. Um, and then there's some folks that are like, I'm, I'm curious or I have questions and I'm like, cool. Like bring them, you know, like that's a bring those, but know that I'm not going to have that answer for you. Um, and, and that's something that I tell people is like, I, I love questions. And the thing is like, if you come and talk to me about spirituality, you might not walk away with answers. You might just walk away with more questions. Mm -hmm. And that's actually the best way for all of us to stay kind of curious about what we think and feel and believe and giving space for those things. Um, and I think it's the way that we can kind of, um, not, be as rigid I think as sometimes we are with what we feel and believe because if we come from a place of love love is fluid right mm. it moves and 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 gives us all kinds of ability to move and shape to it to, to a better understanding and I think when we use that and we come from a place of curiosity and love we're able to kind of get to those questions of like oh I see what you're asking me um so here's what I believe and we don't even I may not even bring up a Bible scripture, mm-hmm. you know, I, I may not have to um, because there are some things that, that don't require that because we have a human understanding mm-hmm. um, of, of what is 
what is true and what is typically what is good, right? Um, and when we can do that from a place of love, we can come to a good understanding for those things. Now, it's when that is broken and it doesn't come from a place of love, right? When it's, when it's broken and they're trying to say like, oh, um, because that's different, you're now, you're not part of this. Mm-hmm. You don't get to be a part of this. It's like, that's not how that works. <laughs> uh, that's not how that works at all. Um, and that I think over time has created some really wild power dynamics as well, right? Of um, some some people who have really put a lot of money into a specific type of biblical education um, to really turn out leaders um, who have a certain pedagogy um, that might not be um, the pedagogy that is from other places, right? Which is why we have um, really different like conservative biblical schools. Um, and then we have these other, uh, you know, other theological schools that are, are thinking about things. Um, those students are really thinking theologically very, very differently. That's very polarizing as well. So on lots of different topics, um, queerness is one of them, right? Um, and so it's, it, it's, it becomes this whole idea of, well, I'm just going to like spit scripture at you. And this is what I've been told that scripture means mm. without really getting into um, ideas of, uh, of what scripture means and, and having really good, what we call um, exegesis, which is like really having a good understanding of what that text means, not just cherry picking one particular verse, mm-hmm. but really looking at the entirety of that book. Um, who was it written to? In what particular time? What was the overall message? Like something you said, you're like, you know, the rageful God of the Old Testament. That's something that was taught to you, mm-hmm. uh, uh, which I would would I would argue isn't necessarily true. When we go back through and we read it, we see times where God is um, faithful and loving and and comes back in and fixes everything and and comes back in and says, I still have this relationship with you, even though you've wronged me and I told you not to do these things, you still did them. And I'm still here protecting you. And you're still like my, my, my beloved children. Um, So, so we see those stories like time and time again. And that was, that was kind of the story that, that when you read through and you read this bigger picture and you're not just, you know, because there's some really awful stories in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad that they're there. Because what that does is it lets us know in this day and age where we are, that in 2000, 3000, 4000 years, guess what? Well, people are still peopling. You know, we're still we're still doing some God awful things mm-hmm. to each other. And, and we're also still praying for forgiveness. We're still praying for mercy. We're still praying for hope, right? All of those things can still be true. And we can all still see those messages and those same stories that we read. It's a good, it's a good, it's a good anthology of like, of people. Yeah. And yeah, like you are the third queer religious person I've had on the podcast to talk about this. So many of us, there's so many of us. Well, who like do religion, like as a job. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, and it's just been so interesting, like talking about 
the the way the text was written and how long ago it was written. So I, I think that's the thing too. Like, and that's what my godfather says too. He's like, he's like, you're not the only one going through what you've gone through. And he's like, if you ever feel alone, go to the Bible. Someone else is dealing with something you've dealt with or something really close to it. Um, so I think it's just been really interesting too, just seeing how we see ourselves in this book, how this book was translated billions and billions of times. So like, think that mm-hmm. also feeds into like the lost in translation stuff um how people take it literally sometimes and i'm like yeah i think we need to like open our minds up a little bit when we look at this text too yeah so i you know it can be you can take it seriously but not literally mm-hmm. right there's a there's a lot of great things that are in there um you would never take um a poem that you read literally because there's so many metaphors in there mm-hmm. um the same can be through of what we're reading um there are also which is when this is when you kind of get to this like advanced level of looking at some of the metaphors that are used to trying to like think about well this is what was going on then this text is way more radical than i first thought Mm -hmm. you know you're and then you're like oh like this no wonder this was so engaging to folks and it lasted the stories lasted for as long as they did because mm-hmm. um, they spoke to a particular people to a particular in a particular time i have a very i have, I have a question like what would you sure. tell what would you tell queer people who were either harmed by religion or who were trying to find their way back to religion or who are questioning your religion of like or talk to your experience, like what it's been like as a queer person in conjunction with religion. Because I just think like that intersection can be, mm-hmm. like we were saying at the beginning, very hard to overcome or very hard to maneuver through. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I just, yeah, I would love to kind of segue to that sort of section of life. Um, so there, there comes a time when we get to like that's part of deconstructing our faith right is like saying like oh no that's wrong and awful and toxic no thank you right and pushing things that are like that does not align with who i am and who i think god is right mm-hmm. and and so we we take a step away f- from that and and start deconstructing those parts sometimes when we do that we can start to do it so much that we have we have nothing left right mm-hmm. we're just like nope nope it's it's a big no for me um at some point uh, that person might go through something where they're reconstructing their faith right where they're saying like you know i didn't I, I at first i was like no 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 i don't want this is nothing that this is for me and then i started having some moments where um maybe i remembered an old hymn that that really felt really good to me and then i felt some guilt mm-hmm. and shame for remembering that and having fond memories of that right um and thinking that i don't i don't have access to that mm-hmm. because i'm no longer a part of that that group or that organization that i can't hold on to that memory dearly um which which isn't true right so um you know we we have bad memories and we have good memories and um, and we can have access to both to kind of teach us things about what what we learn um, and how we go through life. And and all of those things are good and valid. All of that to say is all, all of it is real. 
and you validate that person's experience, right? And mm-hmm. say like, yeah, it's awful and terrible and I'm sorry. And you should have never, that should have never happened to you. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's really, you know, and, and that's that validation of just saying those words. Um, we can leave it at that. I don't, I don't have to, I, you know, I don't have to like sell you on anything that I'm doing or make it better. I can just say, I'm sorry and leave it at mm-hmm. that. I don't have to do that. If you ever have any questions or any, I don't need to do that. Well, I just, we just leave it alone. Um, and having someone, it, I, I will say this, um, having someone who is that, that spiritual leader, right. That someone who is a, a faith leader, say those words to you. Um, I've, I've seen it do things. Um, I've also helped people who um, didn't, were, were really looking to let me know how angry they were, right? And I let them know it was okay. You know, I know they're not angry at me. Mm-hmm. They can, but they can be angry at God. They can be angry at the person that did it to them. They can, they can take a Bible, rip it up, burn it, put it into a million pieces if that's what feels good for them like that's that's fine god can take that yeah um and so i you know i there there is sometimes a lot of anger with that there's a lot of sadness um as well um and so there's there's things about uh helping people like look at that and sometimes they don't want to and they're just like nope that's not for me and it stays over there and i'm like that's cool and some people when they're ready to kind of look at it you know, they'll, they'll do it kind of bit by bit. And, and all of that is okay. Um, and at some point they're like, oh man, I really did like those hymns. And that's the part of church that I miss the most. And mm-hmm. it's like, what would it be like to go and access that now? And, and, and seeking out things like that, that make you feel closer to God. Right. Like, so what would it, what would that look like or feel like? Just, just that part, right? Like you don't have to go in for for a sermon or anything, but like there's tons of choir concerts. Like go find mm-hmm. one. Like mm-hmm. go enjoy, go enjoy the music that you like that makes you feel closer to God. What, how would that make you feel? You know, and and asking those questions, and sometimes it's like, oh, that would I would I would feel really like that, and sometimes it's like I don't know if I'm ready for that. That might mm-hmm. be a little overwhelming for me. It's like okay. But you thought about that and that might be overwhelming. So what's less overwhelming, right? But what feels good? Yeah, it's interesting. Like whenever I'm anxious, what I, the song doesn't matter. Let me try this again. When I'm anxious, I will always find myself singing a like a gospel song. And I don't know where that comes from like it just happens like mm-hmm. bad day good day anxious day like if there's just like some time i'm just like oh my god i'm overwhelmed and I'll, that's a grounding technique mm-hmm. for me and that's always still very interesting to me because it's again like as a person who doesn't go to church religiously um but then like i find like there's a certain pastors on- online who i like who i'll t- like i'll tune into online and watch and but i think also too right now like i'm just always fearful of a pastor I don't know so like I will just like if it's not someone who I know is like vetted (laughs) already I just because it's it's very triggering like we've we've talked about it's very traumatizing as as someone who who for my whole life 28 of my 33 years 
religion felt like it was for me and then it was changed for me and now I'm trying to find my way back um but then just kind of like you're like you were saying just kind of like tiptoeing in and just like for me like peeking behind a curtain or like the Kim Kardashian like in the bushes gif like that's what I always look like like <laughs> that looks okay that looks fine like testing the water yeah that part looks okay that does yeah. not but that looks all right no, yeah that looks, doesn't look terrible so I yeah, think um one of the things that you said is that um um you, know, you kind of left and then you didn't you're like okay what what it might look like to like come back or like look at look at this or like kind of peek and, and those kinds of things and i think that that is um really common when we start to to access those things that like well what soothes me and you're like oh well this hymn kind of soothes me you know that mm-hmm. kind of thing where you're talking about that um and i think that is part of uh it was probably probably a caretaker at some point maybe you know or mm-hmm. you had a moment where you're like oh that I'm I'm feeling really safe and and happy and that music was playing you know we don't know mm-hmm. right like we never know um but it is a, a that form of safety and security and it's you're able to access that um, which I think is wonderful and great um so I didn't grow up religious at all oh I, I, I came into this much later yeah tell um, me that tell me that journey then Okay, so um, um, growing up, before my parents divorced, um, my mom was raised Catholic. My dad, I think, was raised some form of maybe Methodist or Baptist. I'm, I'm really unsure of that. Um, but they, they didn't go to church. Um, they didn't go anywhere. They didn't do anything, you know, go... So I didn't go. Um, and I remember as a kid going, oh, I want to, what's church about? I want to go. Because all my friends were going. I was like, I want to go. And I was like, okay. And so she took me to the Catholic church. And I was like, okay. Saw some friends. I was like, this is fun. <laughs> Sit, stand, kneel. Got it. Um, and then people were going up for communion. And I was like, do we go? And she's like, no. And I was like, oh, okay. So I was just like watching all these people do this thing. And I was like, we don't go and she's like no you have to go through and she's like trying to explain all the stuff to me i was like okay got it um and so we went to church a couple more times but i just never and I, I didn't have a bad experience i didn't have a good experience i was just like okay this is fine um but then when i came out um then my parents got divorced and my dad became a jehovah's witness and so my dad is still the jehovah's witness um and then I came out and I, I got the, the rhetoric, right. Of like, you're going to hell. And so I was like, you hate me. You don't even know me. Then I hate you. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, no, I want I, nothing to do with it. It's all garbage, right? It's trash, all trash. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, I, so I was, I was, um, I would say like, I thought that, but I was, kind of curious right um and then I went to a pride interfaith service in Austin and I was I was really blown away I had no idea that there were Christians out there that were this like loving wonderful group um and then I got to know some of the folks that were there um, I started going to one of the churches, 
I got real involved. I mean, it happened real quickly. Um, and that's when I was like, okay, I, I want to know more. I want to study more. And so I started like reading and trying to figure out, well, what is it that I believe? What do I believe that the scripture says? Um, not necessarily, I would listen to what my pastor said, but then I would go back and read commentary on that same scripture. Right. And I would go say like, what do the scholars say this means? Um, trying to figure things out. And, and when I was doing that, and I was also really heavily into service at the time. Um, and so I was doing a lot of service at the church, um, serving a lot of meals, washing a lot of dishes. <laughs> and, and then I was like, I really, I really like that, that part of it. I got real into service, started volunteering more. And that's when I really was just like, oh, this is what I want to do. Like, I want to spend all my time doing this. I don't even want to work anymore. I was, uh, I was doing sales and marketing. Um, I worked in tech startups doing sales as a sales manager for software. So, you know, I left that and was mm. like, no, I'm done. Yeah. It was, it was a wild ride. It was fun. We do it for the story. Um, everything's so, for the memoir. <laughs> everything's for the memoir. Did it. Um, yeah. So I left my career of like, you know, 15 years. To do religion full time. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to, uh, yeah, you're like, wow. I'm just, so, I'm literally gobsmacked. I'm like, okay. I just, I found, I really found, so I'll, I'll tell you what, like the real, like, and we're going to get, we're going to get deeper here. <laughs> um, so when the bathroom bill was happening, mm-hmm. um, I was, mentoring um some youth during that time and and they wanted to go up to the capitol and and testify it was like great yeah it's gonna be great um and they came up and you know it was kind of overhearing some stories and you know there was and i say an adult and and when i say adult i mean a grown-ass man Mm -hmm. um there always is (laughs) yep and i overheard what he said and it was uh two youth and he kind of like motioned between them like kind of eeny meeny miny mo and said half of you trans kids kill yourselves anyway and i was like absolutely the- not nope nope ap- nope nope what? No. yeah so that in that moment i was just like uh no it, it felt like i looked evil in the face yeah. Right. And I also felt like it was as if um, someone was using statistics that we use to bring attention mm-hmm. um, to to be really harmful. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was like, oh, yes, like people use rhetoric to be really harmful. People use religion to be really harmful and they weaponize it Mm -hmm. and and i saw that happening right like that person felt um emboldened to to say so right um and i think it looking at that makes me go oh i'm gonna spend my life so that 
you know, trans youth always know they're a beloved child of God, mm-hmm. but there's mm-hmm. no question. Right. That makes me think of like, I call it my capital survival story of, of being queer at the Capitol. Mm-hmm. One of my first, it had to be 2016, 2017, I was at a rally at the Capitol because we always are. And mm-hmm. I can't remember what it was for or who I was with. But I remember being next to another queer black person and like this older black dude came up and started reciting scripture to both of us. Mm. And so we looked like had never met this person a day in my life. We both were just like, no, like looked at him like, no. And we both started singing like the same song at the same time and just being like, it was a, it was a religious, like it was a gospel song. And we were both, and we were all like, we grew up religious. Like, you can't throw this at me. And like I was saying before, like, you can't tell me I don't have access to the same God you have access to. That's right. Just because you want to use it, use him for negative connotation and for hate and all that stuff. And it was, it was in that moment that I was like, okay, this was before I started going to church here. So I still felt very like, (laughs) like faith emboldened. Um, Yeah. But it was that moment because like, and even now, like when people try to toss scripture at me, I'm like, and I can give it back still. I'm like, no, but this one says this and this one says that. And and I'm also always just like, isn't it something like if you preach about like a sermon of hate, like that that sermon isn't blessed. I'm like, what are we doing here? Like, you're just like, sometimes right. always thinking about that too. Just like you're wasting the years of your life where you want to be a, a person of religion and teaching people about spirituality spirituality to to grow hate and i just never understand that i'm just like how again how can we be looking at the same text how can we be serving or believing in the same god how can you know just all the house are coming out of my head i'm just like this is not this is not right. what i believe and i'm just like and i know what i believe is right and so it's just that too it's like right the gaslighting i feel around folks who try to make me feel like i'm not a good christian yeah it's a hijacking mm-hmm. it's a total hijacking um and it's it's um i think it's become more pervasive mm-hmm. and i think i think a lot of it has to do with um so i didn't i don't think i saw it really clearly um i was a a college minister for a while um so it was it was wonderful and great and it was at the university of texas which has students from literally all over the world and they would come in and you know be a part of this student ministry and one of the things that was really interesting is we had um students that had been loved and affirmed their entire lives right old hat yes god loves me sure right and then we had folks that came from these like really strict evangelical backgrounds, mm-hmm. right? Like you could give them four words and a piece of scripture and they would already be looking it up and be like, found it. It's like, whoa, like, and they're like, yeah, this was drills that we did at Bible camp. And you're like, okay, got it. Like, right. So we know exactly like the, the difference that we're, we're seeing, but it was really vast. One of the things that I saw happen though, um, the folks that came from evangelical backgrounds, like if we ever went to the to the Capitol, um, they would be like, oh, yeah, this is this is old hat. I've seen this over and over again, mm-hmm. this kind of hate, the rhetoric, 
the pushback, right? They've seen that before. They get it. The folks that have been loved and affirmed their whole life, mm-hmm. they're like with their cameras out, like, is this real? Is this real life? This is surreal. There's really people out there that are like this. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yes, yes, babies, there are, you know, like they exist. Um, and so that to me is interesting. And it's um, so, so similar, right? Like you had been loved and affirmed your whole life. And then you had this moment that you were like, no, I'm a beloved child of God. I no longer need to attend this mm-hmm. nonsense and be a mm-hmm. part of this, right? Mm-hmm. I will, I, I can be fed in other ways. Um, it's, it is surreal, right? You're like, you really believe that? And, and that is to me the, in that moment, that is like looking evil in the face, right? Mm. That is that moment of, uh, oh, this is, this is, oh, this is real. You really do believe this. Oh, that's terrible. Like I now know like the full scope of yeah. like what this, what this really means. Um, so that's what pushed me into ministry, um, to really see kind of, to, to see like evil at work. Uh, I, I always say like, you know, you always, you're saying like, oh, a calling sounds like so magical and beautiful because it's from God. And it can also be a smack in the face, yeah. right. To be gobsmacked and, and just be like, oh, oh, this is it. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah, I'm just thinking about like, I think about like the kids and, you know, the adults too, who were taught to fear or to mm-hmm. use religion as a weapon or a, a way of making people feel guilty. Cause it was just never that, like, it was always raised as like a religion is supposed to be peace. It's supposed to be where mm-hmm. you go to like feel safe and feel secure and feel supported and find answers. And so, yeah, just thinking about that guy at the Capitol you're talking about who was just like, well, you're going to kill yourself yeah. or die. So yeah. what's the point? And I'm like, what are we talking about? Like, what are you even? Yeah, the nonchalantness. Yeah. yeah, it's it's not the same. Um, and it's and it, it makes you like, once you actually like kind of peek behind the curtain of like what is happening, that's when you can go like, oh, oh, this is like something that's really, like really evil at work, mm-hmm. right? It's, high, it, that, it's that hijacking of, of God, right? Of like, oh, we can do this in the name of God. And it's like, uh, no, you can't, you can't. And it, takes, and it takes those folks who are able to stand up and be like, wait a minute, no, no, that's, that's not my Jesus. Please don't use that name. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that we're kind of at that point just now where we're recognizing it to go, oh, no, please don't use that name. No, no, please don't. But we're being, I think we're being a little too kind sometimes mm-hmm. about it, right? Because that's the the nice Christian thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. Right? But I, I also think that there is a way to just be like, no, you're wrong. You're, you're wrong. And and there's there's no like, and you can keep talking, but you're spewing absolute nonsense. Um and I think that we're seeing some of that that comes out of um, a lot of scholars now who are saying, who are seeing the hijacking happening and they're like, just absolutely not, no. Um, and it's, I think that, that some of that's coming from some of the seminaries that are, are really focusing on like, okay, we're, we're seeing this, ha- it's happening right in front of our eyes. Mm-hmm. Like, 
are we going to continue to let this happen? Or are we going to let folks who have really been studying this and are chomping at the bit to just go and start biting hands? And I, I think it's time to let them just off leash and just let them go, you know, like I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Um, and I think that, I think that we'll see more of that. Um, but I also think it's too late. I think that, mm. I think that we see a lot of folks that have already been disenchanted, disillusioned and hurt. Right. And, and I think that we have to, we have to validate that and say like, yep, we see it. And, and we're sorry. And then we have to do better. Right. Um, part of that doing better, I think is also separating ourselves from those who um, have done some real uh, I, I don't know. If, can we cuss on here? I'm trying to be. We can. Okay. Absolutely. I don't. I'm trying to be cool. Like, no, I'm like, from the Northeast. We swears. Swear is part of my okay, DNA. Okay. <laughs> I mean, like, let's be real here. Like, the church has done some really fucked up shit. Okay, that's right? that's my issue. Is this like the people who are so wound tight and all about rules and all about like you're not a good christian or a good catholic and then i'm like but have you unpacked all of the damage the church has actually done conversion therapy yeah and you know molestation and sexual assault stuff and i'm just like but we're genocide genocide population like what yeah like let's atone for our sins Right? No, 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 no. Let's not. No, no. <laughs> we're going to focus on abortions and queer kids and like, right. you know, blaming unhoused people for their situations. I'm like, no, like, ugh, yes. I think that's also what makes my brain hurt. Like, the the fire is within the walls. Yeah. The call is coming from inside the house. Like, the call is it's been in the house, and it's time to to to, to like cut the lines and like the murder the is behind you. You've yeah. actually made him a perfect house. <laughs> what are we talking about? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, the, the the fox is in the hen house. Um, yes, and I and I think that the fox has been in the hen house for a long time. But I also see that. Um, pretty pervasive just inside of um, American culture, right? Um, And what I mean by that is um, this white cishet normative idea Mm -hmm. that that is American culture. It's Mm -hmm. not, yeah, right? But like that who, that is who has had power. And and I think we're, the church has mimicked that as well, right? Um, and has been a supporter and sustainer of of those ideals for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I see that changing. See, my whole thing is, yes, uh, it, it's talk about these awful and terrible things that have happened. Um, and because we're full humans, we also know that there are good stories. Yeah. And those deserve to be shared as well. So you know we can we can talk about these awful things and we can lift up our heroes in those stories as well mm-hmm. and i think that's those are stories that need to happen um there's a lot of queer history that people just don't know um that would be amazing to like uh, have that uh, have, i would have loved to have had access to that right, right. i i had to go i had to go searching mm-hmm. that out seeking it and like try to like 
I like sure I could have found someone's curriculum from you know a gender studies course somewhere you know that would have been fine too but you know I had to go find those things myself and and I think that having access to that that education having access to your own history is super important to having confidence in who you are yeah um I think that goes for Christians as well right so we need to know the bad shit that we did to even be able to to say like oh yeah we've done we've participated and been a part of this really bad shit um so while we're trying to fix the world and be these wonderful people like we also have to acknowledge that we've been the problem mm-hmm. um and so mm-hmm. yeah there's a lot of that that needs to happen i think so i think sometimes churches are also willing to say like no we're we're so welcoming come to us like come to us without doing their own research mm-hmm. right of of why uh, queer people are going to be real nervous about coming to your church. Like mm-hmm. just hanging a rainbow flag and saying, all are welcome here is not going to cut it. Like do your work, do your homework, know your history, know why people might not be so excited to just, you know, come to a Sunday service. Like it's not going to happen. Yeah. Like I was just on the internet because life and it's it's still so fascinating to me to like now that I'm 33 and I feel like an established grown up and can make my own thoughts and like you know I'm so jealous I'm 42 I have no idea what <laughs> an adult or a grown up is like it it ebbs and flows you know it's a journey <laughs> not a destination That's um fair. so the journey is a destination the destination is the journey whichever you prefer um but you know I met a I met these two girls a couple weeks ago I was one of my friends who for sake of story is a trans man. And so he and I were out for coffee and we start we struck up conversation with these two younger girls that are like in their early mid twenties, um, just talking about life and like really hit it off, like exchange, you know, as the as the young kids do, we exchange Instagrams with them. Mm-hmm. And so they got up and left and me and my friend are talking and he's like, Did you look at their profiles? Like, oh not really, like I'll look in a minute. And he's like, They're both they both have a religious scripture in their in their profiles. And their mm-hmm. bios. And I was like, okay. He's like, they're going to hate me. And I was like, let's unpack that more. He's like, well, my experience with religious people is like the minute they find out I'm trans, that's it. And I was like, that's interesting because like, I don't think in my experience growing up that anybody in my family or my church would ever be- be- behave like that. But also I was like, that's so valid to feel that way. Because I know it's like, I know how hard it is right now to be a queer person a trans person um then how people always like god doesn't make mistakes and i'm always like but maybe god wanted us to learn lessons like maybe he gave us trans people and queer people to really test if we are the people he want us he wants us to be and so we had a whole conversation about that because i was just like there's nothing wrong with you like and and i didn't say it to to him because i'm like i'm not again not pushing my religious rhetoric but i was just like i feel so sad for queer people who still don't believe that like god or jesus cares about them because of people down here who have made it seem like you don't have shouldn't have access to that right so one of the things that i think is really important that we look at is that we we have a set of folks that it's it's really tricky because um we don't want to push that rhetoric right we don't want to push ourselves on them and and 
Then we have a set of folks who are not afraid to push the rhetoric on them, mm-hmm. right? Who are like, nah, you hate it, you suck. Like, we don't like you, like, move. Yeah. Um, all these things are, are happening. Um, and we're letting it, right? As, 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 as quote unquote, like the good ones, right? Yeah. We're letting yeah. the bad ones do, do their thing. And it's like, um, you know, at some point we have to say like, you're making us look bad, mm-hmm. like real bad. You are a PR nightmare. Like, can you just stop? Like, could you just like stop? Um, and I think that there's a lot of folks that are really, uh, that are really there um, that are kind of doing that. Um, and, you know, when I think about like, like your friend, that is a, it's a, it's a really common, especially mm-hmm. in the South. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you yeah, it's, it, you know, like yeah. that is a really common thing. Um, you know, some of the most prevalent, you know, religions in the South are, you know, you're, uh, you have Catholic people, right? And then you have um, Southern Baptists, right? So those are, and they're, they're, they're both pretty conservative um, mm-hmm. with, with what they believe. Um, but not are they, only are they conservative with what they believe, right? They also take that into their community, Right. They also take that in in into the public, you mm-hmm. know, sphere. And and that's when that starts to change policy, that starts to change laws, that starts to change all those mm-hmm. things. That's when that's when it gets scary for people. Um and I think it's up to, you know, the the folks that are like, no, that's not what we believe, to get maybe a little bit louder. Um, but I think that that's true if we look that um, with um, Democrats in the South as well, right? It's like maybe get a little louder. Um, yeah. Maybe vote. Maybe vote a little more. Uh, maybe you know those kinds of things. Um, I, we don't have time to unpack. I know. Po- I know. Unpack right? nicety pos- policy today. Uh, nicety, nicety politics today. I just don't have patience. I know, but like, <laughs> but but in in that same vein, right? Of like who who we are as people and what we believe and what we do mm-hmm. um, because of what we believe as people um, and, and the way that we value ourselves and the way that we value others, that makes a difference. And so in that same vein, we can have conversations about the common good without even touching about religion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think when we get to those spaces, that's when we can say, okay, we don't have to look at our constitution. We don't have to look at our religion or any, or any laws, right? Mm-hmm. Like we can just sit down and say like, oh, you have value because you're, you're just taking up space here. Yeah. Um, and, and therefore deserve to be heard. Um, and so when we can start having those conversations just on like a basic level, that's when I think we can start dipping our toe into like, how do we, how do we do this? Kind I, I think things. Yeah. But but when I think about like the response that your friend had, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that comes from not just one experience, yeah. right? Right, because that didn't come from um, that didn't come from uh, from them saying like, "Oh, there's this one time that I had this," right? Like you had like you're like, "Oh, there's this one time," and and you had that story, and you were like, "Here's the narrative, here's the change, here's what happens, here's mm-hmm. the arc of the story." They were just like oh no this has happened every single time i've met someone who was religious this is this has been my experience yeah 
right? So that's repeated over and over again. And when we have that, that happens in, in, in like a society and what happens like to the fabric of someone's being, right? Even if they don't believe in God, because this other group does so much and, and puts this value on it, right? If you, even if you don't, that, that thought process has an effect on that person. Yeah. You know, and we talk about like our, our effects on people. Like, so when I work with congregations that want to be what's called open and affirming, right? Which is fully uh, supportive and of, of the life and well being of LGBTQ people. If they're going to do that work and they're, and they're going to do these things, um, and they, they really want to do that, again, like history, that's really important, but listening to folks, uh, finding out like, why these stories are so important um, and doing something with them, creating something with them, um, walking alongside with these folks, um, that, can, that can start to change those minds, right? Because we, you and I have stories because we've walked along with folks who, who didn't know us, didn't understand us, but like got to know us over time. And they were like, I like you. Mm-hmm. I didn't know you before. I didn't know anything of what being queer was like. I didn't know anything about what being black was like. Mm-hmm. Right. But now, you know, you can have those conversations and, and you're walking alongside folks and they're telling you this and you're having these experiences with them. You also have those same experiences with folks. Yeah. Right. Who you may not get to meet. Church is one of those places where it's intergenerational. Mm-hmm. We don't really have those in society a whole lot. True. Outside of your family. And so it's it's real tricky to to meet older folks. But let me tell you, some of the best people I have ever met are the boomers at church. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's changed my mind a lot about saying awful things about boomers as much as I want to. Right. Um, because I've met these people and I'm like, oh, actually, okay. Okay. I get you're you're wonderful and loving and it's like having a hundred grandparents. You know, it's yeah. like really it's really lovely. Um but yeah, it's tricky. Mm. Mm. So I went off. You were like talking about how you and I like No. No, you didn't no. I think it, that's I think it's good perspective just because Again, I think for like we've been saying that there's just so many people who have been harmed, but it's not mm-hmm. saying like that things can't change. And so I think about like right now, the political landscape of our country is a cluster. Um, oh my gosh, the <laughs> alerts. I don't know about you, but I got a ton of alerts right before I jumped on here. Uh, it's always something. I can't even, yeah. I had to turn off the news. Um, yeah. But I think a lot about like, the stuff that just recently happened with SB8 almost two years ago now, which was so wild to think about, um, of, like, the people who were celebrating that abortion was now illegal. And I'm yeah. like, you know, you guys could just, like, if you don't want one, you don't have to have one. Like, It doesn't matter. Yeah. It just is, like, the way that not even, like, they're like, well, we're pro-life. And I'm like, but you can't be, like, everyone says you can't be if you're not taking care of the person. So you can't say you're pro-life and then we still have moms on welfare. We have kids who are starving. We have people experiencing homelessness. Like 
if you're pro-life, you care about not just when this person is pregnant, but after they've given birth. And also knowing that, like, not just cis hetero women get pregnant. <laughs> yeah. People, you know, what this has now done for people who are miscarrying or, you know, may suffer a loss of pregnancy and, like, the amount of, like, emergency situations that happen now because some women, some people can't get abortions now if they're, you know, God forbid something happens with their baby while they're pregnant. Like, just all these things that I just think, you guys, you you bit your nose despite your face or whatever the saying is. And I'm just like, can we just take a breath and, like, take a step back and realize that, like, no one has to be right but also no one has to be wrong. You can right. just can just live your beliefs and not like you're saying not push them. Like it just has felt like such a a push and I just and I personally feel embarrassed to be like I am this person who believes in these things politically but then also religiously I believe in this thing but that like that that whole feeling of like this can't we can't be the same sort of believers. And I'm just like okay <laughs> it's just my brain feels like it's gonna explode some next i'm just like am i i just feel so gaslit i'm like am i the problem like am i <laughs> the issue here of just like watching how we've used religion to cause so much harm no but so one of the things that i what i do when i help people is um when i watch people who get real up in arms right that have like this bible says this and you know life and and they they start talking about these things as if um they have some authority um and that's you don't right Mm -hmm. um you you can speak to um of a a moral authority sure um if if you if you want to um but to think that you speak to any authority of like science you think to you speak to any uh, right it's like no that's true right like it's empirically true right so to to say things like um uh, you know to talk about what life in in a sense in a biblical sense i'm like no you've not read it you've not you've not read it like please don't like again there's there's so and if you read it, like there is, there is no, um, there's, there's so much rape, murder that happens in the Bible, um, and yes, there's stories about you know talking about like why these things. Yeah, we they're talking about a, a story of when these things happened and what happened as a result, and they're talking. You know, absolutely yes, right. Um, those things are, are, are happening in those stories. Now, in our day and age, right, it doesn't mean that we take those same stories and say, well, if you do this, it's, it's bad because I read in the Bible that mm-hmm. this thing happened to this person because they did this. It's like, no, that's not, that's, that's not what that was about. And that's not how that works. And that was a, a certain message for a certain group of people in a certain time mm-hmm. trying to accomplish a certain thing. Are you trying to accomplish, you know, this, same thing that they were i I doubt it Mm -hmm. you know so so when you when you really think about that then you you think about you you talked about being gaslit they have been gaslit Mm. right and at some point um reality is going to set in right and 
and their reality is going to break. Um, it happens. Mm-hmm. It happens quite often. And so one of the things that I think is really helpful for people is to to witness some of that that happens. Like, yes, like know that this happens and there's like these people who are doing these things and they've been brainwashed, right? They've been, they can't even have questions because if they did, they would mm-hmm. clearly see reason, right? We, we know this as, as people who think and reason with one another, but they cannot because they haven't. Um, and once they're able to, um, a lot of times it's, they're like, well, what else, what else isn't real? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and, and that's when it's like, oh, wow. Um, and we see, and I've, I've seen it happen with uh, quite a few folks. I've, I've seen it with, with folks that are, that have come from these like, really strict evangelical homes and they're like that is not how i i their worlds are expanded and but also there's a bit of mourning that happens for them as well Mm -hmm. right of like oh like that's not that's not true i was relying on that to be true and i spent a good amount of effort and time and thought and i gave myself in over to this because I thought that that was true. Mm-hmm. And now that I know that it's not, what do I, what do I do with that? People respond very differently to those things. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking of like, you know, I've had friends who grew up very like conservatively religious is what I call it, like the opposite yeah. side. And, you know, they move to a city, like they leave where they grew up and they're able to have their own experiences and meet other people and see different things and yeah watching that unraveling I guess is the best or like the unlearning mm-hmm. is very interesting too so I'm just like yeah I think it's like the opposite of what I said like a feeling like I didn't belong there and they're trying to figure out where they belong period because it's like a whole a whole yeah. re reevaluating of their whole life versus just that one aspect of their life right and so it's a it's a it's a a complete thing and it happens a lot i'll tell you what happens a lot in college right billion percent where kids are finally able to kind of go off and and be on on their own and Mm -hmm. explore and they're meeting people from all over the world and you know their minds are being expanded they're just like whoa my mind is blown Mm -hmm. and um they're still they're they're still questioning and they want to be able to question their own faith mm-hmm. and i think that's that's a really um important part of everyone's spiritual growth i think that's a great time to do it i think anytime's a great time to do it <laughs> but every day is a great day to question everything yeah i think so um in fact oh what was the thing that you said something that was like set off alarm bells in my brain. Oh, you were like, um, trusting religious people, only trusting religious people that you know, mm-hmm. right? Or, uh, and I'm like, oh, God, don't even trust them. Like, I tell people, I'm like, don't like question us, mm-hmm. like, oh, like, like, I all the time. Um, so in between my time, be, be for like leaving my life in sales and going into ministry i was a nanny and um you would be surprised how many parents were like oh you're a nanny here just take my kids and i'm like 
wow yeah. like they're like you're gonna become a pastor like yeah you're gonna like you take them and i'm like wow like no like even and i would like tell them like, like even religious question these people like question me like do all the background checks like make me do all the things like question these people um and i think most pastors would say absolutely absolutely question everything um question question us question what we believe (laughs) question you know question all the things i think that that's really important um because i don't need i don't need you to believe what i believe Mm. i just need you to trust that i can help you get to a place that feels good in your belief Say that again. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it, it does. I don't it, need you, it, it I don't hits. need you to believe. Yeah, I don't need you to believe what I believe. I just need you to trust that I can get you to a place that feels good about what you believe. Hmm. I'm like having an emotional response to that because I just feel like it's like a very I feel like that's all faith really is for me. Is like I get to question all the things that been then still have like this, this anchor of like, if this is what I believe, I can then go out and question things. It's like having like a floaty on of like yeah. maybe you can't swim, but you can at least know like if you lean back, you won't drown. And so So what is that for you? Oh, okay, we're gonna get into it. <laughs> what do you mean? What what specifically? So like what 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 part of your faith is that for you? right so mm. if you were like you were talking about like an anchor or something like that right um i think and- it's weirdly my sort of version of like the 10 commandments like mm-hmm. i believe in like do no evil but take no shit Absolutely. <laughs> so like it's funny like how many people throughout my life have been like you're such like this you have this light about you and you're just like always so like at this like positive disposition and you know how do you always see the positive I'm like it's it's definitely the way I was raised of like through struggle comes triumph um yeah I think I can't think of the actual scripture right now um but there's a, a scripture that says something along the lines of um essentially crying may come in the evening but joy comes in the morning and that's one that I really hold the truth to me as someone who has dealt with a lot of loss uh eating disorder suicidal thoughts of like of things will get hard but they do get better um Mm -hmm. believing in literally treating your neighbor the way you want to be treated like I work in social work I work in nonprofit. like my whole life has been about service and giving back um, yeah. So I think those would be my my biggest anchors of just believing in those core things and, you know, just being a better person <laughs> every day yeah. and trying to be a better person every day. Yeah. Uh, you know, don't be a dick, right? It's, like the, it's so easy not to be a dick, everybody. It's so easy. It's so um, easy. Yeah, I think that that's, I, I, I think that that's true. Um, so so that's some of the things that I, I talk to folks about is like, what are those, some of those core things? Like, what are those tenets for you? And then what I tell them is when you hear a message from the Bible, look for those tenets mm-hmm. because that's what you're, that's what you're looking for, right? Like those are the things that are important to you. Those are the ways that you've lived your life. Um, and likely you'll find some metaphor. You'll find some ways of seeing those, those same stories, those same narratives, 
um, reflected back at you. Um, and I think that's important as we think about that with queer people, right? So one of the things I tell people is like homosexuality was not mentioned in the Bible. It was not like, stop. It was not, it was not a thing. Like that was not a part of like, there were, there were power dynamics that were happening. Sure. Right. That is not the same as having a like homosexual relationship. Um, and so I think when we are, are talking about those things, it's important to know like the stories that are there and the people that, who it was for and still look for yourself, mm-hmm. right? You're still present. You're still within those stories. Right. So, and, and especially for queer people, look for that. If it sounds queer, keep digging. I bet mm-hmm. it's super queer. Um, but we also see ourselves um, in, it, it, you know, in those stories. We, we might not be a specific character. We might be a group of people right? Or we might be a specific character in a specific story, or we might be uh, one of the characters in a parable, um, and not just, um, and we have to think about it in a, in a way of time of like queer people in the whole scope and time and space in general, and we can mm-hmm. think of queer people uh, in, in general, like in this day and age, as we know them, or we can think of um, the uh, black um black queer people right and and those stories we can see them we we absolutely can we have to look for them mm-hmm. and part of the thing i think that is is really great as queer people is we get to name them and that is an like incredible <laughs> like we get to go through these stories now and look at them through a queer lens and say these are ours they're ours now thanks um, and I think that being able to, to do that and, and because we are beloved children of God, because we can claim those stories, um, I think that will help give us the confidence, um, and maybe in this generation, maybe the next generation, who knows, right? It's, it's a long ways away, but to kind of stand up, to say to the, to the, the kind of evil that, that I see as evil, right? Of that, that weaponizing of something holy. Um, to be able to to stand up to that, to say, uh, take a knee. No, that's not going to happen, right? I, I think it could happen in my generation, but likely it'll be the next, and I'm rooting for them. The children will always say this. Right? I will be sure to cool. link all your social media in the show notes, and as well as Pride Interfaith and Chrysalis, which we talked about. Yeah. Well, Chrysalis Q. I had to get that Chrysalis Q. Chrysalis yeah. Q. Um, before we go, I always like to end the episode with a final question. It's a two-parter, but you can e- answer either part. And okay. that question is, what is the best advice you were ever given? Or what is a piece of advice you give your younger self? All right. The best advice that I was ever given uh, that I still use. Um, I think I got it from a friend's mom, maybe in middle school. And it was a really cute kind of lesson in life. Because I think I just had like a, a, a breakup or something. Like a really, you know, you were in middle school. You had them every couple of weeks. Yeah, heartbreak. Um, right. Um, and I think at one point I was like, oh, I, I think I'm going to go back out with this person that I had already gone out with once before. 
And she turned to me in the kitchen uh, and she said, Renee, never warm up cold biscuits. And I was real, I was like, what? She was like, when you warm them up, they're never quite the same. And it's going to be stale. And you're going to remember that when you warm them back up. Why exactly? You never warm up cold biscuits. And I laughed at that. And, and to this day, I still think it's really, it's, it's, it's cute advice. And I think it's funny. Um, and it's really good advice. Um, it's real hard to warm up a biscuit that's been sitting out for a while to make it be good. It's tricky. It takes, it takes a, a, it takes some work. It takes some finesse in the toaster oven, right? It's not, it's not, it's not a microwave thing. Oh, I'm going, I'm going full oven wrapped in foil. Like, right. Like you can put it in the microwave wrapped in a paper towel. You can try to do that whole thing, but like, you know, it's going to be soggy and gross. Um, and yeah, it's, it's never quite the same. And it, no, never warm up cold biscuits. I love it. Um, and I've kept it and I think it's cute. Um, I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily, uh, great dating advice in 2023 and at 42 years old but i do think that it was uh for middle school me so maybe that's kind of touching both of those questions of advice i give i need to know my younger self i'm writing this down i will you i will give that advice to someone now that i'm getting older i feel like i need to have like all these cool little pieces of advice for for the youth i will be still i'll tell you what go to church Go to church and meet some boomers. They'll, they'll give you, they will give you gold. They always do. Not all of it is entirely appropriate and you're going to have to let them know it's not, but most of them are pretty receptive about hearing why it's not appropriate. Yeah. My, uh, gran- my grandmother, may she rest. She always had two pieces of advice for me. It was, it was about like heels. Like if you walk in, if you can't walk in them, don't wear them, which I, which I have taken, like if something doesn't feel right for you, don't force it. I've like, yeah. like made it more of a thing yeah and then she used to say there's a lid for every pot even if it's not the lid it came with I'm like huh. <laughs> she was just yeah she was but That's she good. was shady she was shady though so i like it i yeah. like it hey i i always say you gotta have people in your life who are just shady enough right she it's was just... the shadiest and i loved her for it that's it for this week's episode of The Tea with Brie. Be sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at The Tea with Brie. Send me an email at thetewithbrie at gmail.com or visit the website, thetewithbreepodcast.com. You can find me, your host, Brianna Jenkins, on Instagram at Brianna Jenkins. Don't forget to rate, review, and follow on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. A special thanks to Mama Duke for our theme music, and I will catch you next time. Bye. <laughs>